Hello and welcome to Bible Talk with the West End Church of Christ. My name is Eric Krig, and we're in episode number 35 today, and we're going to be thinking about some things God cannot do. You know, when we think about God, one of the characteristics that makes God God is the fact that he's all-powerful. So there's nothing that is outside of his ability to do. There's nothing that is no one that's stronger than he is. And those kinds of things that we see time and time and time again taught in the Scriptures. For example, let's look at Matthew chapter 19. Get out your Bibles if you haven't already done so. Look at Matthew chapter 19 with me, and we want to look at verse 26. There's a statement that's made here, and it comes in the context of Jesus talking about um, how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, verse 23 and 24. The disciples heard this in verse 25. They were utterly astonished and asked, then who can be saved? And verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so we recognize that all things are possible with God, We also see other passages in Scripture that talks about how much God can do, that He is, in fact, all-powerful. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, for example, when Gabriel was revealing to Mary the fact that she would have a son, right, Jesus. And, of course, that was a unique situation, and she realized, well, how, how could these things be when she had never had sexual relations with any any man? And yet, the angel there told her in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. A, a similar story over in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, this time with Sarah, And Abraham, if you remember, and how uh, they were both old in age, and yet yet God had promised that they would have a son, um, even in their old age. And so Sarah laughed um, in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 18. And then verse 14, it's asked, Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time I will come back to you, and in about a year... She will have a son. So we have all these statements in scriptures that clearly show us that nothing is impossible with God. So then it may be um, curious then why we're talking about things that God cannot do. But what we're going to notice in these things that the Bible reveals that God cannot do is that these things go against his nature. We're not talking about his power, his strength, and such things. These are things that go against the very nature of who God is, particularly the things we're going to be talking about today in the episode are things that go against God's nature of being holy. And we should be encouraged by all of these. And hopefully as we walk through, these will become more apparent for you. But just step back from um, our study at this moment and just think about, can you think of anything in the Bible that talks about some things that God cannot do? Before we go on in our study today, we want to just take a moment and invite you, if you're interested in a free Bible study course, uh, that we would love to send you a copy of that. Um, We have those available and we can mail those out to you. 
to start receiving those free Bible lessons, you can call or text us at 740-527-3403, or you can email me at preacher at thewestendchurch.org, or you can go online and fill out the form at www.thewestendchurch.org forward slash Bible study. I will make a note that if you've tried that before and you haven't received those lessons, we've been having some issues with our um, our email and with our uh, form. Hopefully those will be resolved by the time this episode is out. So again, if you have tried and you haven't received anything from us, uh, please try again or call or text us directly there at that number, 740-527-3403. We'd love to send you that free Bible study course. If you're in the Licking County area or have some plans to come our way, we would love to have you come and worship God with us. We assemble at 987 West Main Street in Newark, Ohio. Come join us on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 945 or for a period of worship at 1030. We'd love to have you. You would be our honored guest. Or you can join us at, on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for Bible study. We'd love to have you at those times as well. Uh, hopefully we'll be back to assembling soon on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock as well. Come join us if you have the opportunity to do so. If you have a Bible question that you would like us to consider in a future episode of this uh, broadcast, please let us know. Again, call us or text us at the the number there, 740-527-3403, or email me at preacher at thewestendchurch.org. Once again, as we're thinking about some things God cannot do, we first notice that God cannot lie. Again, thinking about his holy nature, that God is completely separate from everything that's evil, and he's devoted to everything that is good, uh, we find then that God can't tell a lie. In the book of Titus, in chapter 1 and in verse 2, it simply tells us that God, who cannot lie, right, and then making reference to the promise that he has given, in Hebrews chapter 6 and in verse 18, similar statement that's made. It says, um, that it is impossible for God to lie. So again, we think about God and all the things that are possible with God, but yet we read in Scripture here that God cannot lie. You think about how comforting that is, that we have a God who is devoted to the complete truth, that all lies and all deceptions come from Satan and not from God. So when we read in Scripture of these things that he has taught us and these things he has promised us, we can put our complete confidence in them. We can have no room for doubt that God means exactly what he says, and he will do exactly what he has promised. And again, you just think about how much our lives are dependent on God and telling the truth. If we are truly trying to live a life of faith and obedience to God, right? We are, we are putting everything into the fact that God is telling us the truth. And so it should be greatly encouraging, as I go over here to Psalm 89, that 
when we enter into this relationship with God, we do so with full confidence, knowing that God is faithful, He is trustworthy. You see, if it was possible for God to lie, then we could never really have full confidence in anything that He says. How would we ever know that um, that heaven is real, that hell is real? How would we ever know that by living in a faithful obedience to Him that, that He'll reward us? We wouldn't, right? And, and as we read and study through the Scriptures and we think about what He has said, we would have no way of knowing which things He said is true and which things He said is false. Psalm 89 Verse 34 says, I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. God won't violate his covenant. He won't change what he says. Um, You know, when, when we read the things that he's revealed to us in the pages of the New Testament, it has been once for all delivered to the saints according to the book of Jude in chapter 1 and verse 3. So we know for certain That these words that we read in Scripture are truth because they come from a God who cannot lie. Next, we also can find great comfort in the fact that God cannot tempt or be tempted. Again, this goes back to the fact that God is holy. Let's go over to the book of James in chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. All right, it says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. All right, so when we think about how God is holy, we need to realize that evil does not entice him, and he does not try to entice us with evil. Again, think about the great comfort of that. Right? In a world that's always changing and and you never know who you can trust and all those kinds of things, isn't it so comforting to know that God, because God is holy, that he can't lie and he can't tempt us or be tempted? Just imagine how, how immensely fearful and dreadful it would be if our God, who is eternal and all-powerful and all-knowing and ever-present and all those things that we know that God is, just imagine if that God could be swayed into doing things that are evil. So it should be greatly comforting for us that God is not tempted with evil and to know that that God is not going to try to lure you into something that is evil. Now, yes, we have tests, um, but God is not trying to lure us into anything that's evil Instead, whatever test that God's involved with, he's trying to give us an opportunity to prove our faithfulness to him. He's trying to um, give us an opportunity to be stronger as we make it through those uh, trials and so forth. He's not trying to lure us into some way of evil. Now, the idea that 
that God cannot be tempted. Well, maybe we need to just think about that for just a few moments because maybe it comes to our mind, well, what about Jesus? You know, wasn't he tempted? In fact, the Scriptures tell us in Hebrews 4 and verse 15 that he's tempted in all the same ways that we're tempted, yet he didn't sin. Okay, so again, you, you just step back and you start thinking about this. And you think about, all right, how is how can God not be tempted and... That we read about Jesus, in fact, being tempted. And you think about how I think the answer lies in the fact that Jesus was tempted according to his physical nature, right? Because when Jesus was living on earth, he was God living as man. So he was tempted according to those physical desires, just as we are tempted. You know, Though I don't have all the answers to explain how it worked for Jesus to be both fully God and fully man, we just simply know that the Scriptures teach that to be the case. And what we should find encouraging is that even though Jesus was tempted, he didn't sin. And he shows us then the model of how we can live on this earth and make it through temptation as well. But God simply cannot be tempted. God's holy nature prevents evil from enticing him, and so there's never going to be a point at which God turns to do evil or to lure others into doing what is wrong. And so we should be encouraged by that as we think about these things that God simply cannot do. We've got two more I want to go through, but before I do, again, I just want to take a moment. If you're interested in seeking God, if you're interested in really diving into the Scriptures and learning more about what He teaches and how it is to apply to our lives today, then we have some Bible study courses we would love to send to you that we believe can help you in your efforts to seek God. If you're interested in that free Bible study course, again, we can mail to your home free of charge then please call or text us at 740-527-3403. Leave us your name and your mailing address and a good phone number for you, and we'd love to send that out to you. Again, the number is 740-527-3403. Or you can email us your information at preacher at org, Or you can go online and fill out the form at www.thewestendchurch.org forward slash Bible study. You can get started there. Again, we're thinking about some things that God cannot do because these things are contrary to his holy nature. The next thing that we need to realize is that God cannot look upon evil favorably. Because God is holy... He can't look upon things that are evil and view them as being acceptable and pleasing to him. Now, when we look at passages like Habakkuk, if we go into the Old Testament, into the minor prophets here, there's a statement that's made about God. It says in verse 13, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. And you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. And I think that the whole idea would be not that God doesn't see the things that people do that are evil, because that that would violate other teachings of scriptures, like Proverbs 
uh, 15 and verse 3 that tells us the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. And we see numerous examples in Scripture of times when God saw the evil that is done. In fact, we know that God sees everything we do, even those things that are evil and contrary to his will. So again, this this passage isn't showing us that God actually can't see the things that are evil that are being done, but it's the idea that he's too pure to look upon those things and find any degree of favor in them. Again, you think about the the wickedness that God saw throughout the Bible, and we have records of this. For example, in the days of Noah preceding the flood, that God saw all the wickedness that people were committed uh, committing, and he even saw the intentions um, uh, that their intentions were always evil. Or you think about the man named Achan in Joshua. I believe it's around chapter 7 or so, and we see how that man had committed sin against God, and nobody else knew about it, but God had seen it. But he didn't look upon that wickedness favorably. Or Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, when they had conspired together to lie um, about the, the possession that they had sold, um, nobody else had known about it, but God knew. All right, And so God could not look upon those things with any degree of favor. And so we need to recognize that whenever God looks upon us, if we're involved in anything that is uh, contrary to his will, that it's just simply against God's nature to look upon that evil with any degree of favor. All right, and that leads us into the next and final point of some things that God cannot do, and that is that God cannot be in fellowship with evil. So again, we just notice that God can't lie, God can't tempt or be tempted, God can't look on evil favorably, and God then cannot be in fellowship with evil. So when he sees the evil that we commit, there's consequences to what that does to our relationship with God. Now, we're going to go to Genesis to get started um, considering this. When we go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2 and 3, when God placed the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, he gave them a law, of course, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not even to touch it. And he said uh, very clearly to them that if they would, then they would die. So we go into chapter 3, and we notice that that Adam and Eve both sinned against God. And God knew that they had done that. And that relationship changed. In fact, I, I want you to just kind of take some time and just read what you, what you read about the relationship with God between Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, and then how things changed um, after their sin. There was indeed a spiritual death that took place there on the day that they ate of the forbidden fruit. Of course, physical death also entered the world, and that dying process began there in Genesis 3 as they were blocked from accessing the the tree of life. Um, But again, we just notice that their relationship with God was changed, and it was changed because they sinned against him. 
So God cannot be in fellowship with evil. Let's go over to the book of 1 John. In chapter 1, it kind of uh, depicts this. 1 John chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. It tells us, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. Okay, so we notice, again, that's the picture of God's holiness. There's no evil in God. It's like light that is completely separated from darkness. There is no evil whatsoever in God. Verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. Okay, so we can't claim to be in fellowship with God if we are walking in something that is sinful, if we have sin in our lives that has not been corrected, we cannot be in fellowship with God because God is light. If we're walking in darkness, the two have no um, fellowship, no relationship with one another except an adversarial uh, one. Uh, Verse 7, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, the whole reason that Jesus came, or the, the, uh, a primary reason that Jesus came, of course, is to, is to provide himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be made holy, so we can be restored to a right relationship with God, to be reconciled um, to God. And you can read passages like Colossians 1, verses 21 uh, through 23, and you can read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as well to see these ideas. And it's because, again, God cannot be in fellowship with evil. Now, I want us to think about what this means eternally as we turn over to the book of Revelation. All right, While we live on this earth, the fact that God cannot be in fellowship with evil means that we can be dead even while we're living, in the language of 1 Timothy 5 and verse 6. So we can be alive physically and dead spiritually um, in that we're separated from all the, the spiritual blessings God provides and we're not living in a right relationship with Him. But eternally, if we die in our sins, if Jesus comes back and we're still in our sins then again, we cannot possibly expect to be in fellowship with God. I want you to notice in Revelation 21 and verse 27 in the picture of heaven that's given to us throughout this chapter, it says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it that is the heavenly city, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. So, again, if you're, if you're living in evil, living for sin, and you die in that condition, or Jesus returns and you're in that condition, then you will be eternally separated from God. You will miss out on heaven because God cannot be in fellowship with evil, and he's not going to allow evil into heaven. In Revelation 22, in verse 15, uh, 14 and 15, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 
So it's not inside the heavenly gates that those things, um, those who are involved in sinful things, will get to spend eternity, but outside. In fact, we learn over in chapter 21 and verse 8 and other passages that it will be hell itself um, that will be the eternal home uh, for such people. Let's go to one other passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 13. Again, the whole idea that God cannot be in fellowship with evil means that, again, God is holy. And if he would be in fellowship with evil, he would deny himself of his own holy and righteous character. But 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13 says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So God can't violate his character, his nature, and holiness is one of those attributes of God. So God simply cannot be in fellowship with evil. I invite you to look back through this list. God is a holy and a righteous God. While he possesses limitless power, he will never use any of his power contrary to to his holy nature. So God cannot lie. He cannot tempt or be tempted. He cannot look upon evil favorably, and he cannot be in fellowship with evil. Now, those things ought to encourage us about the God that hopefully we all are seeking and that we desire to serve. It should encourage us also to be holy as God is holy. Again, I thank you for taking the time to study along with us today. Before we close this episode once once more, I just want to invite you to sign up to receive our free Bible study course. Again, call or text us at 740-527-3403 or email us at preacher at thewestendchurch.org or you can visit us online at www.thewestendchurch.org church.org forward slash Bible study, and there's a form on that page you can fill out to get started. If you have any Bible questions that we can help you with either uh, personally, directly, or that you might have that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode of this uh, program, then please get in touch with us. If you're able to do so, please come and join us and worship God with us. We assemble at 987 West Main Street in Newark, Ohio. Come join us on Sunday mornings at 945 for Bible study or for a period of worship at 1030. You'd be our honored guest any time that we assemble together. Once again, I simply thank you for taking the time to study along with us today as we thought about some things that God cannot do. And I invite you to join us next time on Bible Talk.